Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Robert Scott Bell. We did an episode, I think it was a few months ago now, and uh, we got to hear all about his kind of origin story. He's really legendary in the alternative media and the alternative health space, which are two areas I'm super passionate about. So I have tremendous respect and admiration for the work that you've done. And uh, great to be with you here today. How are you doing? Thanks, Courtney. It's good to be with you again. I appreciate you so much as, as well. You're an inspiration. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you. So we had done, uh, I saw you recently at the Reawaken America uh, event, and we did a, a pretty brief interview with my pirate stream guys on the dialectical dissonance. Oh, wow. That was wild. And they, they told me that the audio didn't work, but then it did. So I was really happy because we got some good conversation going in. That. I know. I know. When I heard that it wasn't working, I was so upset. And what's actually really funny about it is I did another uh, interview later in the day and uh, uh, my uh, my fiance was like working the, the technical and he stepped away for a second and I got so freaked out because because of what happened with ours. I was like, oh no, we can't lose another one. Right. <laughs> so yes. he was like, it's fine, Kearney. It's totally fine. And it was, it was totally yeah. fine. But of course you can see me totally freaking out in the interview, which is <laughs> less than fine or less than oh, ideal. <laughs> Only something that we try not to do when we're doing it. <laughs> right. But it's organic. It was very natural. You know, you can't accuse me of being inauthentic. <laughs> so. well, exactly. And the thing is we all crave authenticity, whether we realize it or not, we're looking for authentic. So you no, know, I'm glad. You just roll with it. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I was a little bit less authentic and a little more <laughs> polished, but you know. <laughs> we can... well, I'm going for that unpolished authenticity. Any the raw, <laughs> raw stuff. Well, when we were doing that, you had mentioned how you do, you never got a ma- marriage license. Your kids don't have social security numbers. And I found this incredibly fascinating because I think we're in nature. A lot of people are waking up, but a lot of people talk about you know, opting out of the tyrannical measures and forces and not everybody really does something about it. And you really took action to be truly sovereign. So, and for your kids and uh, your wife as well. So yeah, perhaps we could dive into that in a little bit more detail and yeah. Uh, You know, I'm only reluctant to talk about it because it's to some people so shocking when you wake up and see how deep that rabbit hole of control and deception goes and especially for people of faith i i don't want my story to be one that causes anybody to look at themselves and go oh i i shouldn't you know i i'm not what you know i don't want people to perceive it negatively on themselves because you only know what you know when you know it now we're all driven often by similar things especially if you know if you love god and you want to live a life that is in line with the principles that you perceive that I perceive are, are really uplifting for ourselves and others. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet there's so many layers and levels of deception. And as I briefly said in, in our previous interview, my 
uh, opening to seeing the deception was my own health or lack of health that caused me to wake up and see the institutions of medicine and government and media that all colluded to tell me I was sick by random acts of bad luck or bad genes. There was no discussion or acknowledgement of food or dangerous injections and vaccines and antibiotics, all the things that actually did contribute to my lack of health. So uh, that was what motivated me to then ask questions of other areas of life. What else was I deceived about? And, and I was always encouraged to, uh, to go deep on a lot of things. So I'm a curious, I was a curious kid, you know, yeah. I was reading up on all the stuff they're hearing about now, UFOs, right? All the crazy stuff. I'm like, well, I'm curious about that. They don't want us to know about it. So let me look at that. So that was just kind of my nature. And, uh, in, in, in finding out about, let's say the issue of freedom, you know, a big part of my journey when I, I don't even know, did I talk about my near death experience when I was in sixth grade in school? No. Yeah, I had uh, I was choking on a piece of felt and and ran out of the room to the science teacher because that was my first thought. And the science teacher will know what to do, and I passed out as I fell into her arms, and I left my body. I was gone. I was out, and I was in a most most beautiful heavenly place. It was like this gorgeous meadow. The colors were more colorful than anything you can imagine. The sounds, the smells. I could feel the sunshine on my skin, even though it was like a not you know a bodily experience, but it was as real or more real than anything I've ever had here. And I, you know, I, I came back coughing and choking, you know, I don't know how many minutes I was out and I knew just what I sensed that I'm not this physical body, right? That I don't have a soul, but I am soul. And we often kind of use language and we don't really think about, wait, what does it mean to have a soul? Does it mean we possess ourself or is that who our real self is? And what does that mean? You know, as we look at this body we inhabit. Is it who we are really? Or is it just something we hang out in and helps us to do things while we're here until it runs out of time. And then we move on back to our spiritual selves. And, and so these are the kind of experiences I had that led me to go deeper, deeper, deeper in it, much to the annoyance of various religious leaders, whether they be priests or, or rabbis or, you know, um, you name it. I just, just asked questions until they tried to shoo me away. <laughs> like this. Uh, so that was just to get of, of, yeah, my, of my nature. When I got a hold of something or a hint of something, I tend to pull that thread and try to mm-hmm. dig it, understand it. Yeah. So as I began to learn about, uh, all the deceptions or as many as I, I could find, one of the big ones was, uh, this, this numbering people like cattle or beasts mm-hmm. in the field, the social security number. I began to look in the history of that. And I'm like, well, this is some weird stuff. I'm numbered like a, you know, and, and in my Jewish ancestry, my ancestors were numbered by IBM in the Nazi concentration camps. I'm like, yeah. this is not a good thing to number people like this. I don't think this is good. Now, if you look into Revelation, everybody interprets Revelation differently. I get that. Um, they talk about the number of the beast, the mark of the beast. And, you know, I'm not trying to convince anybody of my interpretation of it, but when I realized that this was being utilized to engage in commerce, in other words, there was going to be a, a time which is coming fast if the digital IDs become real, right? that you will not be able to engage in commerce unless you are marked in, in a sense, whether it be your cell phone or whether it be an actual implant. And the number is the key to it all. The number is the key to it all. Without the number, they don't have a way to track you. It's not just about a picture of you. It's a number that is trackable via their technology. And so I said, wow, I got this number. I didn't get it. My parents gave it to me. I didn't know what it was for. Now I understand. I feel a little bit enslaved to a system that made me uh, 
basically subservient to certain rules and regulations. And I'm like, did I, I didn't get even the chance to assess and sign this up. Is this right? Or is this an unconscionable contract that can't be enforced ultimately? And so as I dug deeper and, you know, I read the creature from Jekyll Island by uh, G. Edward Griffin and get, gave me a lot more insight into the, the dawning of, of the, these international banksters perpetuating a fraud on the American people by establishing the Federal Reserve Bank in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act and all that it led to, including the implementation of one of the key planks of the Communist Manifesto, a graduated income tax that at one point affected like a fraction of a percent of just what they call uber wealthy people. And then now it's enveloped everybody uh, and they call you a taxpayer, capital T. It's not that you pay taxes. In fact, almost half of taxpayers don't pay taxes because they get money back because <laughs> they're not making enough to pay anything, but they're called taxpayers. What does that mean? That's a term of art or a legal term, a definition. It, it's You're not a human being. You're not a child of God. You're a taxpayer. Again, look at the definition. You find out a taxpayer is not one who pays taxes. Isn't that weird? Wait a second. Uh, but it's right in the word. But no, they alter definitions all of the time. It's an Orwellian uh, experiment upon us. So something felt wrong about that. When I realized uh, the Communist Manifesto, you know, every plank was engaged already in the United States to varying degrees, that something has gone horribly wrong here. Uh, this is not freedom. No. Certainly not spiritual freedom because communism is godless. And so I just, you know, kept looking, looking like, what is what is this all about? And then realized it was the number that had everything to do with the implementation of a slave system. And that is, if those of you who are uh, filing uh, 1040s, whatever you do every year, and you're like, oh, look, I got this money back. You're so happy. You know, basically you gave them an interest free, free, free loan until they gave you a little bit back. But beyond that, the income tax isn't about what you pay in. It's about what they let you keep. Based on the rules that they can rewrite, it's like they basically own 100% of your labor and they say, this is a lot, this is what we're going to let you keep. And, and everything about it was just, just plain when, wrong. When you say, so a taxpayer is not uh, one who, pay taxes, who pays taxes, so what, what, do, what is the definition? Well, it's basically someone who is liable for a tax and liable to file a 1040 form, which the number, you know, in, in implements, it's a... You know, it, it assumes guilt, of course. You know, you sign under penalty of perjury. You don't have an opportunity to actually even know if you have the liability. But, uh, you know, the definition of a taxpayer is not one who pays taxes, obviously, because most taxpayers, or half of them now, don't pay taxes, at least income taxes. You know, you every time you fill up a, a tank of gas, you're going to pay taxes. I mean, there's all different ways the government uh, gets taxes from you. But an income tax is, is one that claims ownership over you and your, your body and your efforts. That's why it's unconscionable and ungodly, in my opinion. Now, I'm not uh, opposed to all levels of taxation because there is lawful constitutional ways to collect taxes, lay and collect taxes, read the Constitution. You'll understand imposts, excises, and tariffs and things. But to uh, establish the graduated income tax via the Social Security Administration, which was founded after the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 to number all Americans, to change their status at law from sovereigns to uh, slaves, basically. And it isn't based on skin color or anything like that. It's just basically we number you like cattle and we just we just go along because it's been that way for over 100 years and everybody does it. It's what you got to do. And how do you get through life without that? So I uh, it makes you a good, dutiful citizen to do it. Right. That, yeah, that's what you're right. taught, trained to think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, obedience to tyrannical uh, secular government is disobedience to God and vice versa, in my opinion. So it didn't fit well with me spiritually. Sure. But I want you to understand as we're talking about this, it really didn't have to do with paying taxes per se. Right. 
right. but a lawful way that, that the government could and constitutionally do so. Um, you can get into issues of the 16th Amendment never being ratified and all that, but that's almost a distraction at this point. The question is, are you a person liable to file? And you realize a person is defined as a corporation or a partnership, or whatever. It's not a human being. It's not a sock. It's not necessarily. It's, it's a corporation. That means an artificial creation of the state. So you accept that number, you assign that number, and you are now less than what you are spiritually. And it's a, it's a uh, disinformation campaign as well, but it, it degrades, in my opinion, uh, your true origin point and and starts causing you to have allegiance not to the United States of America as a, a de jure country, but as a you know de facto takeover of international bankers because the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor has any reserves as we've learned. Uh, so it's not part of the government officially, technically it's not. Uh, so to say that you're a good citizen <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and you're, you're propping up international bankers that have no allegiance to any nation or state. Uh, you got to question, you know, what your perception is of a good citizen even. And what is a citizen as opposed to a sovereign as well? Right. Sure. Because there are problems with language and they purposefully but butcher the language to confuse people and say, oh, those domestic terrorists, they're all sovereign citizens, which is an oxymoron. A sovereign, yes. not a citizen. <laughs> a citizen is subject to the jurisdiction of, you know, the District of Columbia or criminals in this case. Uh, the sovereign was superior to the government and uh, had all rights as well uh, endowed by a creator and that creator was not government. So these are things that I was learning in the midst of learning how to heal myself. Right. Couldn't just limit myself to that. So I d decided I am no longer going to use that number that I never applied for. It is not mine. It belongs to somebody else. And I just stopped. And then you know, when I met my wife and told her all about this, she was scared to death, but she loved me enough to say, you know, I'll somehow survive this. And uh, we just stopped. And then when we uh, decided to get married, I said, look, we're not going to ask permission of the government to get married. Why would we invite that institution into our holy marriage between me and God? Where does the government inv I don't want to invite them in. It's like inviting a vampire into your house. That's not right. a good idea. So we didn't. We filed a covenant of celestial marriage and basically wrote our own vows and, and we put that on the uh, miscellaneous document. So it's on the record in the courthouse. Uh, so if anybody challenged it, we was there, but we filed and we signed, you know, in our family Bible, we put the momentous event of our marriage and, and this is, you know, honestly, this is history because question you have is before all of these numbers of people and stuff, how did you record things like this? Marriages, right. births and deaths. It was in your family Bible. These are the records, the birth records, the death records, the marriage records, all of these things. And uh, so we were just doing what had been done for hundreds, if not thousands of years at that right. point. Uh, so how, when we- had, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but how crazy is it to think that that's what, you know, tradition for hundreds and millennia possibly yeah. Uh, yeah. had been. And yet we think of that as being such a incredibly foreign, you know, insane thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, the other issues when we had uh, children- uh, I said, we're not going to allow them to have a birth certificate. It's like, well, why wouldn't you want that? Well, when you look at uh, law, you read about law, common law, admiralty law, equity law, all these different forms of law, you realize that a birth certificate is is like the, the birthing of a vessel, like a ship, right? The ship, you, you birth a ship and that certificate, to, you know, it is now uh, there and it's or an artificial, uh, let's say, making, uh, you know, this divine gift from God, this soul that incarnates into a body, 
now becomes assessed as a, a, a vessel of the state. On top of the fact that when you sign a marriage license, uh, there are clauses associated with it, hidden clauses that uh, you know, basically say, if the fruits of the marriage shall become wards of the state at our pleasure. In other words, if, if we don't like how you're raising the kid, we get to take your kid, right? Oh, too religious? Y you, know, you have a view about certain things like uh, trans, uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying, all the crazy stuff that's gone on. It's like, oh, well, we... So uh, you have invited them in and they claim ownership over the fruits of your labor. So the children aren't even your children, especially when they get that birth certificate and they put their footprint onto that thing before they even touch the earth. They're, they're, you know, they're made artificial creations of the state, like corporations, instead of souls, divine gifts from the creator, from the real creator, from God. Right. So I said, I'm not going to do that. And then you can forget the numbering. I'm not going to give them a number by the, you know, these, these bankers are not going to have access to my children. Uh, so we didn't get them numbered. Now, many people are going, well, how is it possible that they can do anything? Well, my, my son is 23 and he has a job. He gets paid in gold. Uh, he has, you know, a driver's license. He has a passport and was able to do that without a number as is my daughter. And as we have been able to do based on our religious freedom that we had to push very hard to find out how indeed to do that because there is no requirement that you have a social security number to live and work in the United States. But people, it's too hard to have, have to do that. So why would they do it? It's just like, well, it's way easier to just do it. And then you can operate within the banking system without, you know, whatever. And of course you find out the number attached to the money is not connected to anything and they keep printing more so that each piece of paper you have is less in value and you work harder and harder and you can't ever keep up. That's inflation. Yeah. Uh, so the system is rigged. It's not just weights. It's taxation without legislation, right? So Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's theft uh, through taxation, but not officially through legislation. You're right. It's another form of a tax, uh, unlawful, unconstitutional. And so, uh, you know, why would I participate in that? Why would I teach my kids to participate in that? No, I, I've told my kids, once you're 18, you can decide to go into that system. If you're so inclined, if you feel like that's what you want to do, but God bless my son. I'm so proud of him. He's like, you know, five years beyond the age of 18, he's still not interested. He understands the slave concept of, of uh, being numbered like cattle. Uh, and, and again, this is not to insult any of our audience here today. This is not why I should do this. This is my journey. These are my revelations that I discovered and I had applied the reasons I did them. So you understand it wasn't to get out of paying taxes. Right. There, no one likes to pay them, but there are lawful reasons to do so. But if that's your reason, if you hear this and go, oh, I want to do that because I don't want to blah, 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 it, it's the wrong reason. You're going to end up in a, in a not a good place. It has to be spiritually right. You have to be so connected to your creator to understand and, and realize what, what I'm saying, if it's right for you to do, because it doesn't make life easier. But God never promised us easy. Right. That's that's Satan's role, you know, to trick <laughs> and deceive us. And, oh, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be like. It's, it makes it so easy. And like, here, you can have all the ice cream you want and never have a consequence, right? Right. So, so yeah, I'm giving you a, a journey here. So, because I don't, I, I don't want to just show you the mechanics of something like this. Right. Or tell you this is what you should do or even how you should do. I'm just telling you about my journey. Yeah, and uh, we did have to do battle with the uh, the the government some, from time to time on our rights, because this is to me a religious and spiritual uh, imperative, you know, for the sanctity of my myself and my children in in you know in heaven above beyond this time to to live according to the laws as I believe and perceive them to be. This, again, this is where 
we can get into theological discussions and questions to annoy people, and that's not my purpose of doing so. But if you were to ask, let's say you go to a Christian church and you have a hundred people in that church and you begin to drill down on them and their beliefs and the dogma and different things, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities, but you're going to end up finding out you've got different beliefs in that church. Everybody make on it. Well, one would actually, I would hope so. That would mean exactly. people are actually critically thinking, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the uh, foundations of the Torah is that you question everything, including God himself and you know, yeah. religion itself. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that's not a problem. I know some people think in, in uniform ways, everybody has to believe the same thing. I'm like, well, God didn't create us to all be the same. We're all, yeah, we have a commonality in terms of being children of, of the creator, but we all have unique talents and in, insights and interests. And, and that's by design. Yes. And it's actually, you know, to our benefit to have different experiences. I think that all reflects on God, you know, why we were sent here to help um, whatever that transformation of consciousness is. Uh, again, these are fascinating for me discussions, and I don't mean to go off on different tangents, but no, as I great. hear this, the, the questions, you, you know, the answers in my uh, experience to the questions you have, uh, I hope to give people more insight into why I did and chose, and, and maybe it inspires others to say, Ooh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe it resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. Right. But that's okay. So I'll, I'll pause there and, and I'll yeah. what, have any other things or if that's too much already, people are going to get indigestion over this. I don't think so. I, I think it, I, I hope it at least inspires people to think regardless of what action they take. I just think that the, the question is very valid. And I think people should be asking the question because there's a lot of just blind uh, obedience and compliance, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if, and if the social security number is not the mark of the beast, then you tell me what it is. Because it is the key or linchpin for the next phase of digital identifica- identification, which will lock you into a system that you will not be able to leave your house unless you've got the latest COVID jab or whatever jab they want to throw at you. Yeah. Once they digitize the money, which they're talking about, and digitize okay. the license or your ID or an implant, and of course, all tied to the number or numbers, uh, you tell me at what point does it become that, Mark? Right. I assess it. And it's like before it becomes implemented fully, I'm like, that's the, that's the, if they don't have that, they can't do this, 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 and this. So at what point is it not connected? Right. Right. Um, well, I would, I definitely want to go there, but before we do, I want to back up just a little bit logistically. So you said that both of your children were able to get passports. Uh, I know that it's been very difficult without even, without having my birth certificate on hand to yeah. get a passport. So uh, yeah. how did that, how did we do that? Well, if you follow the, the, the statutes or even the instructions within the passport administration through the State Department, you just follow the guidelines. Now, uh, we went after a year uh, to the Department of Vital Records and requested the birth certificates for my children. And of course, the Department of Vital Records said we have no record on file. So you have that as evidence uh, for the State Department that there is no birth certificate on file. And then next, you uh, follow the other instructions of what you must submit in terms of proof of birth, including affidavits or Bible records or any any witnesses that were there to know that you were born, et cetera, and where and when. And then you can overcome their objection to say, well, you can't because you don't, we don't have proof of your what, citizenship, whatever it is that they object. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the question is, um, you know, where were you born? When were you born? And, 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 you know, where you would go back to wherever the Department of Vital Records in the state you were in and say, hey, I'm requesting my birth certificate. And then they will f- say, with all the information you give them, there isn't one. You use that as well. Now, in terms of a social security number, the uh, Congress had passed a, a law recently, a few years back, that said we, you have to have one now because they didn't have that before. You entered zeros and it was not a controversy. Uh, but now they're trying to make it more difficult. 
and saying you can't, but we pushed, pushed, pushed back. And there's a lawsuit that's also being engaged in to help push the state department to do the right thing when it comes to religious freedom. And, uh, we submitted everything and we were able to uh, renew ours and get the kids, uh, updated as well. And so we know that it can be done and it really needs to be considered to be done because if not, you know, again, we're getting into more disastrous situations as they digitize our identity and make it harder and harder to be uh, children of God on this planet while we're here. I guess that's their their role and goal in a secular way to try and deceive us and, and trap us. Uh, but uh, I would that, argue it's not secular. I, I think yeah. that that would be more Luciferian or, sure. you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's more appropriate to what you're saying and what it's devolved into. That's true. So again, I don't know your circumstance uh, that you don't have one, but that's would that would be a simple strategy if if that has been actually undertaken or not undertaken. That's a simple step to do. Right. So when you said you had you had your yours and your wife's updated, and then your children your children don't have one, and you you do. So what what do you mean by updating? Well, in other words, renewing, and and they were trying to make it harder and harder to renew without a number, and they want well, the to, passport. Yeah, the passport. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they want to, you know, get you in perjury traps. There's all kinds of things they would try to do. But if you have a sincerely held religious belief and you you don't you don't um, sw- sway from that, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, there are stories from the Bible that I am inspired by that those that did not, you know, uh, for convenience sake, renounce right. their faith and their their beliefs. And I believe strongly in that. And I I think people of faith are are tested. You know, how, sure. how true is your faith and how true is your belief and all of that. And those things are, didn't just happen in the Bible. They happen every day to us right now. Of course. And so the question is, what do we do? Or do we roll over for convenience sake and go, well, I'll, I'll explain it to God later why I didn't, you know, stay true to what I said I believe. Right. I, and I can't that do is, that. I can't. And they always sell it in the name of convenience. I mean, that's what the sure. CBDC is, right? It's really convenient. You know, we can just chip you. You can just walk through, buy anything. You don't need to carry that's anything. It's so convenient. Uh yeah, so that was going to be my action. My next question was about uh, religion. You had mentioned your ancestors were Jewish. So, what is what is your faith? What was their journey? Did you always have the same beliefs, or? Well, my my belief in a direct connection or direct link to the divine to God has been something that's been a part of my journey, especially with that near death experience. Sure. And that going, oh my gosh, I am not this physical shell. It's just something I inhabit. And so that caused me to dig deep into, you know, not only the ancient texts within Judeo-Christian uh, traditions, but looking into the Eastern or, or religions and other things to see, hey, you know, wh- where is the intersection of truth here? And, and, you know, this gets into controversial territory because, you know, people I'm sure in your audience have devoutly held religious beliefs and perspectives sure. on things. And I don't know if they're tolerant of other beliefs or views. I mean, I've certainly, you know, growing up Jewish in the deep South, I uh, was beaten over the head by a Jesus stick by so many Christians that I I felt like if this is Jesus, this is not something to aspire to. Right. <laughs> sure. So, you know, whether people are living up to their faith and belief in Christ and living Christ-like lives, where is that respect and love and, and, and forgiveness and divinity, you know, where you you honor the, the journey? Everybody's journey is different in that right. regard. And I, I, I am drawn to people who love God. That is, you know, for me, it doesn't, you know, they might say it differently than I do. They may not have a different belief than I do, but it's not for me to judge and dismiss them because it's not the same as my belief. And right. so when we get into the, the discussions of, of theological- Free will, right? Isn't that the, the cornerstone, right? Agency, so that means right? people have freedom of consciousness, yes. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I, I was always taught growing up, the, the, the Jews were the chosen people, the chosen people. It's like, well, 
that seems a little arrogant. You know, I, I always would grow up as Jewish and I'm like, well, that seems a little bit arrogant. What is that all about? And then um, I heard from a, a Methodist minister who told my dad this, you know, when he asked the question in a, in a kind of a religious uh, class, mm-hmm. why are Jews the chosen people? And he said, because they choose to be. I was like, wow, that was brilliant in its simplicity. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I realized that God wants us to choose God. Yes. And, and so many uh, really in, in, in maybe in sincere efforts to help people to find the path back to God would rather beat you into submission or frighten you into submission. And all these different human techniques to try to get people maybe scared enough that they'll do the right thing and choose God. And, and I think God sent us here to, to find him by choice, not yes. through coercion and deception and fear and even well-meaning people that would drag us across the street to the church temple or mosque you know i've, I've always liked the parable of the uh the little old lady you know that's on, on the corner of the street and a nice young man takes her by the arm she got her umbrella and 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 says come on with me and starts walking her across the street and then the little old lady takes her umbrella and starts beating the kid over the head nice little young man over the head and he's like what are you doing he's carrying across the street and they get to the other side and he asked her, why are, you, why are you hitting me over the head? I helped you across the street. Right. And she said, because I didn't want to go across the street. But the young man thought, well, it's better over there. You, I mean, just made all these assumptions and thought, I'm helping you, so why shouldn't you be grateful? It's like, well, where is the honoring in that? If God would honor our freedom of choice, our agency, why wouldn't we? try to aspire to honor that and and live by example and say, hey, you know, if, if the other side of the street's better, show people. Yeah, tell people, but don't coerce them and deceive them and grab them and force them. That's you know, another thing we, we've seen in, in terms of the Orthodox religions, and many times, you know, a lot of young people are leaving the church, right? You hear this, leaving uh, the religion of their youth. And, you know, it's a big concern because, I, you know, I believe in spirituality being a cornerstone of how we have a, a functional society and real community, not one that's in a, in a, in a communist situation of a top-down force, but in, in freedom, we choose to, to get along with one another because we perceive and look at each other as children of God. And we all have the potential to screw up and do wrong things, but at the same time, we doesn't change our origin point. And uh, it's another kind of a parable story of, you know, you see off in the distance, a, a, a nice uh, a preacher man, you know, he's a local guy for the uh, the church there. And He's, he's petting a cat that's the cat's on the fence and the cat is recoiling at the, you know, it's like, looks so uncomfortable. And like, what is going on? As you get closer and closer, you see the, 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 the preacher guy petting the cat backwards against the grain of the fur. Mm-hmm. And as you get closer and closer, you're like, what is, what is going on? And, and it's like, why isn't he petting the cat the way the grain goes? And instead you hear him as you get closer talking to the cat every time he pets him backwards saying, turn around cat, turn around around I'm like how many people that are church leaders synagogue leaders whatever are doing that to the people in their you know community rather than communicating in a way that they are able to receive it and that can change over time because of the change in conscious difference things that we have to to you know instead of telling them to turn around how about you communicate your belief and faith in god and even your biblical principles in a way that and there are people that do that of course i'm not saying anything totally new but there's a lot of that that's happening that's causing us to lose those kids, those young people, because we want it, we want them to say, accept it the same way we did. And and in many ways, they they have a different experience. They're here at a different time. They haven't seen the world as we have. And, and so 
there has to be great compassion and to some degree, a, a willingness to step out of our own experience and say, oh, what are they experiencing? Ask them questions about their journey and learn and from them. Encourage well. their journey and their their sense of discovery, Yeah, right? But they, it, as you said, it's about uh, choice. So mm-hmm. uh, people can't choose freely if uh, they're not encouraged to have their journey because that's yeah. what reads the process of inquiry. Yeah. So I'm encouraging people to go back to what we call, I call spiritual freedom. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the dawning of America. One of the greatest things about America, among many things about its dawning, was people came because they were persecuted for their religious beliefs. Yep. Big part of the, the First America. Amendment. Yep. And yet we often, as re- religious people, if we consider ourselves to be so, forget that freedom as we are more in, impel, uh, you know, uh, somehow we just got to get everybody to believe what we believe rather than learning about their experience in spirit and, and, and becoming more spiritual because of it, being inspired because of the different ways that God can reach us. Right. And we get very hung up on our way and, all, and the only way or this way. And I'm like, you know, live to the best of your belief ability to inspire others to maybe be drawn to, to your belief if it's something that appeals to them, that resonates with them and the experiences that they can have there. But respect those experiences if they don't align with yours, as long as they're not doing things to harm you or your kids. I mean, there's a basic level of common law understanding, you know, that yeah. you don't cross certain lines. But outside of that in America, the great experiment of America is spiritual freedom. This is the place. And and, and we're not without spiritual persecution. Let's be honest. I mean, various uh, sects of Christianity have taken on other sects of Christianity. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, religious wars between faiths. These are things that I don't think uh, are very godly, in my opinion. Uh, but the to infiltration, find right? Sure. Well, yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm somewhat loath to discuss this issue. At the same time, I'm inspired to do it to hopefully inspire others uh, to uh, to really, how would I say, live a Christ-like or God-like life by granting the freedom to others that we realize God granted us. And that in freedom that we can choose to come back and be that chosen people, you know. I love I, that. I think it's beautiful, and I think people absolutely should discuss it. I the whole notion of uh, avoiding difficult topics never made any sense to me. How do we make any progress as a people, as humanity, if we're afraid to have difficult conversations? Right. So I, I think that's the most important thing. Is <laughs> one of the most important things, anyway, is to have difficult discourse and to challenge each other. That yeah. I think that's part of how each of us can go on our journey is if we are uh, inspired and challenged, you know, to yeah. ask those difficult, ask the difficult questions, to answer the difficult questions, and then to continue that process and cycle. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so with the, the Social Security, I'm curious your thoughts. I know a lot of people are talking about like the whole Social Security system just imploding completely. Uh, process, you know, probably by design. I don't think it's a yeah. I mean, it's already honestly being propped up falsely because it's pretty much uh, the depleted trust. So what are your thoughts on that and the future? Uh, oh, look look at the, the words Ponzi scheme. Mm, yeah, yeah. Learn about that. <laughs> it exactly fits Social Security. It's it's inevitable that it's going to be, it's destroying itself. There's no way you can prop it up. There are not enough people that are going to pay into it, uh, keep it going. That's why the Federal Reserve System is so critical to all of that, you know, social welfare. We become a socialist state. Uh, we don't perceive that we can care for each other in old age like we used to do when we had families that stuck together and cha- well, genuine charity that the churches and others would provide. 
And that I think that that's by design. They they destroyed the extended family. They created the nuclear family. Now they're destroying the nuclear nuclear family. And of course, they've attacked religious. So they've attacked communities. They put people into cities where they're they have the illusion of being in community and in proximity, but they're atomized. So I could go on and on. But yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So so you ask yourself: Do they want strong, independent people that can care for each other, or do they want people dependent on them for? And that's the only way they have and maintain their power or 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 strengthen it. And so centralizing the system and making people more and more dependent on certain socialized systems. And, and you know, the Social Security contract, they claim it's not a contract, but they can change it at will, right? How old do you have to be to get anything back out? They keep, you know, making it older and older uh, and to the point where, well, you know, technically there's nothing in there that says they have to give you a penny back that you put into it. They can change that on a dime, too. So it's an unconscionable contract. They would deny it's a contract, but I don't know what it is. But it, at the same time. How do you in, enter a, a minor into any contract, a, a lawfully, legally binding contract? Normally you can't. And yet these kids are given these numbers as if they're lawfully binding for life. And they never even had an opportunity to read the, the parameters. There's so much wrong with it, spiritually especially. That's where I'm going, even though there's aspects of law and legalities and such that can be discussed. Uh, so, yeah, inevitably it's it's going to implode the people that have relied upon it, Uh you know, there have been experiments of those that have been done, I think it was in Galveston or somewhere in Texas where the, the city people opted out and they were the clause that they could. And in, in their retirement, they, they were doing, they were living high on the hog, so to speak, relative to what they would have gotten under Social Security. Now, I'm not saying that's a guarantee for everybody, but the entire system is set up on what, what I call legalized gambling investment, not in yourself, but investing in other people's efforts or, you know, uh, uh, corporations now globalist mu- multinational corporations and their ability to continue to grow and grow and grow and profit 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 which isn't the cycle of nature and life you know things there's an ebb and a flow to everything and this is a perpetual growth what is perpetual growth in nature it's called cancer right think about that and so you're investing in a cancerous growth that eats everything in its wake and leaves nothing behind that's not I don't believe that to be a spiritually correct thing to do. That's not me judging anybody. That was my assessment. This is why I don't participate in that system. Right. And that there are other ways to invest and, and, you know, and use just weights and measures and, uh, and, and do just fine. And also what I would call is absolute reliance on the Holy Spirit or divine spirit or God. Mm-hmm. We have moved away so far from that, that people will say that it's like, yeah, that sounds good. And that's good. Yeah, I agree with that. But. And then they go, oh, you mean you don't really rely on the Holy Spirit and God? No, no, you know, you don't. He's like, no, no, I have to also do this. You know, I have to have the government do this for me. And it's like, wow, I don't know. I think that uh, uh, it's another layer of deception. Uh, and, and you know, this is, again, I, I just hear myself. And I'm like, I'm not judging anybody out there that doesn't know this or is hearing me is becoming offended by what I'm saying. But we've really fallen off, I believe, far, far, far from our direct relationship with the divine that would guide us through anything and everything, especially the things you think are impossible. And and that includes all of the things related to finance and caring for ourselves in old age. To, to rely on the Holy Spirit for those things is more real than relying on artificial creations of the state, government, social security. That's a false promise, a false idol. And yes, I, you can point to people that have survived because of it, but it, you know, th- now we're generations in, you understand? And it's right. going to, really ugly when it collapses um ron paul would talk about you know what we can end this thing on our own terms now and and reverse and start developing independent strong helpful people or 
we could march right into a collapse and see abject starvation and a zombie apocalypse. And it seems like people are hell bent on holding on until the zombie apocalypse. And then what? Then maybe they find the Holy Spirit again. It, I mean, it'll be there for you, but man, it's going to be a lot more difficult than had you paid attention to your right and, and responsibility to care for yourself and others by choice, by freedom, not by force, coercion, and deception and slavery. Right. Absolutely. And when you say it's a false idol, I think they're, I think that's very accurate because you're, the whole system is predicated on empowering man as being uh, the ultimate authority, right? So man playing God, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, which is where the false authority stems, right? That That's kind of government in a nutshell anyway, right? So what are your thoughts on uh, what will happen with the CBDCs? I know that they are pushing that pretty hard. I know BRICS just went on the, uh, and they backed it by gold. And of course the petrodollar is collapsing. And so our dollar is in great jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this is, uh, this is where um, resistance is not futile. <laughs> right, right. Where the things that I say very gently and lovingly become more urgent and imperative sure. to withdraw yourself from that digital system before it fully implements. Because once you're locked into it and it happens, the only way out is unfortunately through bloody revolution. And well, I'm not... I, I'm so sorry to interrupt here, but you know, the thing I keep trying to urge people to understand is you actually can't shoot your way out of a digital prison. And that's what they want to create. And people keep saying, oh, but we have the guns we have. But what are you going to do in a digital prison? And that is really uh, what their goals are. So, yeah, if you can't access anything that you, it takes for you to survive, uh, you're right. Uh, shooting your way out is not really an optimal situation because it's a different kind of enemy manifested far different than, you know, bullets and bombs. Uh, of course, you can disrupt computers. There's all kinds of things. Now you're getting into science fiction, dystopian futures that we're, you know, on the verge of or living in already. Right. Uh, so my encouragement, encouragement would be to slowly or rapidly extricate yourself from that system before it fully implements. Right. And completely just decouple or uncouple from that dependence on those that would enslave you with that dependence that they bred into you over now generations. And so that means establishing local communities in freedom where right. you provide for yourselves and others and are not dependent on globalists and globalist corporations, much less the exchange of digits, you know, that are, are dependent upon your willingness to be numbered. Right. Certainly or inadvertently. And uh, to start exchanging things of value that we have seen as valuable for thousands of years, like gold and silver or, or other free market exchanges, bartering, and et cetera, and, and engage in that now, not when you have to. By then it's too late. You're not practiced. Nobody's practiced. They don't even know how to do it. You've got to do it now. I mean, I go to the local Ace Hardware to get, you know, nuts and bolts. I'm paying with gold. And they accept it. Right. Goldbacks. So we have mechanisms to do that already. But, oh, it's just too inconvenient. Once again, Robert, I don't, it's not as easy. Yeah, I know. Once again, you've fallen into the, the negative power trap rather than listening to the wisdom of creation and the creator. And these things have been laid down. I'm not saying anything new just happens to be in the context of how we're living now with the digital age. Right. Where would I think that for some people, this will resonate very deeply, but I yeah. think it might be a little bit overwhelming in terms of how do they start uh, implementing this into their daily lives and their practice and executing some of these things. So what would your advice be to people who want to start taking uh, some sovereignty and personal agency in this regard? 
Well, for me, it started with petition, sincere petition to the to God, to the Creator. So, you know, prayerful contemplation, communication, practice that communication. And if it's reading your Bible every day and practicing that way, but you know, to me, it's more than just reading. It's it's sitting quietly and listening in a contemplative, meditative, prayerful state where we're not telling God what to do. God knows what to do, but maybe asking to be open enough to receive the messages that are trying to be given unto us at all times. And if this is of concern to you, as I believe it should be, then you might direct some of your petition and energy in, in requesting help, guidance, shift in consciousness so you can see and then know what to do. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do studying in this realm like I have for you know 30 years now plus, but you can be led to people that you know, or have been doing it and watch them and practice and, and actually start putting this, it's like, you know, just like anything like gardening. If you don't know how to garden, find somebody who gardens <laughs> or get a book on beginning garden. I mean, some of these things are pretty basic, but I, I realize that the things we're talking about seemingly don't exist anywhere or you, you don't believe they do. More people than, than you would know are now aware of the things we're talking about and are actually engaging in trying to change things because they realize how, what a precipice we're on. And, and, you know, how to do it is, you know, I, that's why I hesitate to give advice just sure. to share maybe inspiration. And if you're so inclined, certainly you can listen to my broadcast. And if these questions come up on my show, I'm happy to answer them as well. But for me, it's about the guidance from God. Everything else could be a deception. I'm not saying everything is, but could be, or could be utilized to trick us and trap us. And so what motivates you to do the things I'm talking about? If it's to, you know, escape taxation, that's not the my opinion, the right motivation. If it's to live more in line with God's laws as you perceive them, as you've read them, then by all means, you're in on the right track and you will always be directed and protected. And that's the distinct difference than when we are, you know, going for, you know, some kind of ego trip or a, a profit trip. We just want to make so much money, right? Whatever it is, greed that drives you. Uh, for me, it's to live, you know, a life of, of service and, you know, to fulfill my passion and my mission for being here. And that's different for me than for you or anybody else. And that's not a good or bad assessment. It's just the unique, you know, we've all come here to do something. And part of our process is the discovery of what that is. And I believe that direct communication is the way we find it. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you said that your son is uh, is total, is on board and aligned with this. And you, you have a daughter as well. How, how does she feel about all of this? Well, she's 17 and a half, so she's not 18 yet, but... Right. She knows all the parameters. The one thing that I would say about raising kids, don't keep them in the dark about the things you do or why. I mean, right. certainly there are certain ages where they won't understand certain things, you know, just spoon or shovel feed them things they're not ready for, right. but talk to them about this to give them the reasons why you live the way you do. You know, oftentimes when people are disappointed, if their kids leave uh, the, the religion of their youth, you know, and like, oh, what did I do? A lot of times it's because you didn't engage and, and talk about and really share your experiences and listen to theirs and find out a way that you can, you know, uh, bridge your experience with theirs. Um, the idea, of course, if it's not just a religious thing, it could just be like a lifestyle, a way I, I believe to live correctly or rightly in the eyes of God is to, you know, show them the reasons why you do what you do, because they know they're very unusual. They've been raised organically. They've never had a vaccine. They've never had an antibiotic. And, uh, you know, not a lot of their, you know, my other friends are like, well, you only eat organic food. What is that? What do you so? And, and you know, they have the freedom to eat whatever they want. They're old enough to figure it out. But I've taught them that their cells are smarter than any doctor. 
that if they eat something and then you can go out and do with your friends, eat whatever you want, but you pay attention to what your body tells you about that food. Like right. Listen, because it's smarter than a doctor. And, and they pretty quickly learned that, yeah, I'm not interested in eating the food my friends eat. Right. Make me feel good. And, and it's not because they're not strong. It's because they're strong enough to reject the toxic poisons that everybody else has adapted to, not yeah. in a helpful way, but in a chronic way. Maladaptive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So this is another aspect of caring for this temple that we live in while we're here. Mm -hmm. I think we all have fallen down because we've adopted again man and his arrogance to say, hey, you don't need to eat clean organic food or whatever we'd call it back in the day, kosher. Uh, you can eat whatever you want and just come to me, medical man, when you're hurting and suffering and I'll give you a magic pill approved by the FDA and that symptom will go away. You basically told yourselves to shut up. Right. I don't want to hear from you. Rather than go, oh, we, you know, these symptoms, these communications, these screaming and crying for myself are trying to tell me you're doing it wrong. Stop putting that in your body. But we wonder why we can't get along with other people or other countries or other races or religions. We don't even listen to our own body cells. So true. About that when it comes to communication. And if you're not listening to your body cells, how hard is it to say, maybe we're not listening to God because God created those cells. Right. It's like, ooh, now that, that hurts, Robert. Why do you have to say that? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there for your consideration. Yeah. Care. God loves you so much that will give you, provide for you the experiences you need to, to return back by choice. And um, this body that you have been given is a great gift, this life we have. And we often take it for granted. We abuse it. We, you know, we do horrible things and then we curse God. Why am I sick? Why? And I, I was there. I felt that God, why am I so sick? Why are you letting me in? And in ignorance, of course, we didn't know I was eating all the wrong foods, but they're all the foods that the government said were okay. And the doctors said were okay. And then I had to find another way, another way back. And it may not be the way if you read the Bible and the kosher laws, they didn't encounter or account for genetic engineering and deadly toxic pesticides and herbicides and fungicides, all these things that, you know, you're like, well, that wasn't written about, so it must be okay. I'm like, yeah, I think it's subject to interpretation when man and his arrogance starts doing these things to corrupt the integrity of food as well. So okay. you love your corrupt the integrity of life as a result, yeah. right? So the question is, do you love yourself enough as God loves you to give yourself and your kids the best? Or do you say, nah, it's too inconvenient. It's too expensive. Really? I can't afford it? You're telling God? It's like spitting in God's face to say, I'm not worthy. God thinks you're worthy. God knows you're worthy. You're created of God. The fact that you don't believe you're worthy is an affront to God. Now, we are given the freedom to, to, to even curse God. God is okay. You know, he's not going to be hurt by it really in the big scheme of things, but it's disappointing. It's sad. But at the same time, this is the experience we're allowed to have so that we come back and go, well, that didn't work. Maybe I ought to look at things a little bit differently. And, and so all of these things, I'm just, again, sharing with you my experience and my thoughts through my journey. And of course, if you had been sick like me or sicker, perhaps, uh, you'd understand why the, I made the choices I made to do differently, to eat differently, to, you know, care for this body, to do things now in my mid fifties that I couldn't do in my twenties. Right. And I love that. It feels great to feel good. And I'm able to fulfill my vision and mission for my life. What I perceive that I'm sent here to do. Yeah. Whereas when I was sick and in bed and hobbled and not able to do things, it is harder to fulfill that mission. But it was part apparently of my mission when I look back and say, God, why did you let that happen to me? And now I say, God, thank you for 
allowing me to have that experience because it happened for me, not to me, because I couldn't do what I do today if it wasn't for the suffering I went through earlier on. That was the freedom, even in ignorance to choose or my parents in ignorance to choose that manifested as it did in my life. And here I am all these years later, there's still more to learn. I mean, that's the excitement. I, I love being here because I'm like, what is it going to be tomorrow that I didn't know today? It's going to be awesome. Some of us yeah. learn, but I do. I like it. Yeah, I, I do too. And I'm so grateful for you sharing this journey with me um, and my audience. I'm going to let you go. I know you, you you need to wrap it up. So if you have anything else you want to impart, this was really a pleasure. I, I really loved hearing your journey and your story. And I think it it imparted a tremendous amount of wisdom. So hopefully it will inspire others. So if you have anything else, please share. And of course, tell everybody where they can find you, find your broadcast and all that good stuff. Well, Courtney, I'm honestly, I'm blessed. Thank you for asking me back on the show. And I appreciate you. You're, you truly are an inspiration. And I, I hope your audience appreciates you as much as I do and the journey that you're on to help, you know, because I, I, I sense what, what motivates you and I'm inspired by that as well. And it just makes me smile inside and outside. Thank and you. If you guys want to participate in my journey, it's you're welcome. It's like a family, the Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm on two hours a day plus six days a week. Just come on over to robertscottbell.com anytime of the day or night or when we're live, uh, three to five Eastern on uh, Monday through Friday or one to three in the afternoon on Sundays. And uh, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Courtney. And I just always remind myself and my listeners when I sign off is just basically the power to heal is yours uh, because I didn't know I had that power. I was told I was powerless. I was a victim and we're not. We have that power and that power comes from God. That power that created us is also the power that heals us. So beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Courtney. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.